All right, we are recording this on the eve of the AFL season. Um, season kicks off Wednesday uh, with a grand final rematch between Melbourne and the Bulldogs. I'm pretty pumped. It's come around real quick. And here to help me break it all up are two very good friends of mine. We go way back to high school days and uh, they share my passion for sport and, and Man United as well, which makes this pod extra special and extra sad um, at the same time. Um, Stan and Ed, gents, how's it going? Hey, mate. Good to be here. Thanks for having us. Hey, Mo. Um, yeah, it's great to be back again after, I think, almost three years. So, yeah, yeah. definitely pumped. It's been a while since we've had you on, Ed. And, and Stan, this this would will be your first appearance, mate. Yeah, that's right. New territory. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. And, mate, we have a tradition on the pod for all new guests. And we actually haven't had a new guest on in a very long time. So would you mind sharing your favourite moment as a fan and then also your personal sporting claim to fame? Oh, as a fan. Um, so I'm a Geelong supporter and I think my favorite moment has to be the, so back in 2018, um, it was a Geelong v Melbourne game down at the Cattery and it was a Zach Tui goal after the siren to win it um, for us. Um, I was standing in the Gary Ablett Terrace and uh, yeah, his ball went straight to me. Uh, I didn't mark it, but it was straight in my area. And um, it was a goal and everyone was happy. Everyone was going nuts. Best atmosphere at a game I've experienced. Um, to make it even better, we were down by five goals early in the final quarter. Um, so that comeback was just amazing. Yeah. Mate, I, I thought maybe one of the grand final wins or a Man United Champions League or something. It had to be a Zach Tui moment. And you know how much yeah. I... Um, Let's just say not of the biggest fan of of Mr. Tui for obvious reasons, but that's yes. awfully uh, specific, Stan. But that's all right. We'll we'll let it pass. Yes, absolutely. All right. What about your your claim to fame? Oh, I don't think I have one. Uh, but if it's any, if it's a small one or a funny one, even it's the specky I took in the in the schoolyard playground in year 11. <laughs> and then I injured my back as well in the process. But um, yeah, copped a little nickname called the Igniter after that. So, you know, all is well and good. <laughs> Who did you take the specky over? Oh, I, I don't Tristan. know. Because I was, was over Tristan. Was I think it, it was, yeah. might have been Tristan Kastrabi. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was the front and centre when that happened, I got a great view of the hangar and it was glorious. That, that, that could have been a mark of the year contender in, in that year. Oh. <laughs> well, mate, as long as it wasn't over me, um, oh, I'm, I'm happy with that. I know you attempted a couple on me, actually, thinking back now. Did well to even make it that high on you, mate. Probably <laughs> reach your waist or something. <laughs> yeah. oh, love it. Awesome. Yeah. No, it's always good to hear some of the stories from back in the high school days for a lot of the guests we have on the on the pod i think a lot of us peaked in high school when it comes uh, to to sport so that's right it's good and remind me of yours what was yours again oh mine was um back in my tennis playing days where uh, me and my teammate nicked some nicked the winner's trophies um oh because um, we felt like we were really um, hard done by by some dodgy umpire calls so we decided to take matters into our own hands and take the trophies the winners trophies with us oh gold oh yes yes i remember now that's hilarious love it all right gents thanks for the share stan um Good. let's get right into it so interesting uh, sort of end to last season melbourne the bulldogs in the granny 
Um, I don't know how many people had picked that particular combo before the start of the year. Um, maybe Melbourne was sort of tipped to have a really good season. Um, the Bulldogs being grand finalists was a, I think if you ask people at preseason uh, for last season, I don't think Bulldogs would have been picked. Coming into the new season, what are you guys seeing in that sort of top four landscape really early on? How do we see it shaping up? Do we still see sort of Demons, uh, Bulldogs, maybe Port and Brisbane? Do Geelong drop, you know, drop further out? How do you see it going? And I might start with you, Ed, on this one. Yeah, well, I think my view is um, that the status quo will be will maintain um, in 2022 in terms of the top four. Um, well, I think I think there's five teams that are that are locks um, in, in the eight, and those are Bulldogs, Melbourne, Brisbane, Port, and um, for better or worse, Geelong. And I struggle to see like any team sort of break into that uh, sort of top four, top five. Maybe, maybe Richmond if they happen to catch a second wind. Mm-hmm. And re- recapture their, you know, their, their premiership years form, um, but uh, outside of that, yeah, I find it hard to see um, any other teams sort of break into that that top bracket, um, um, in, in the ladder. Yeah, Stan, I do think that Melbourne and the Bulldogs are just ahead of the next echelon, um, being Brisbane and Port. Brisbane, I think, has the has more potential to maybe rise into the. Uh, top two this year, um, just purely because, you know, Rainer's back. Maybe Hipwood plays the full season and recovers from his uh, injury. So that'll be my top few. Um, we'll touch on it later, but I don't think Geelong's a lock for the top eight. Not a lock for the top eight? No. What makes yeah. you say that? Um, just the age profile of the list. Just... There's got to be a new game plan as well. Um, and I know there's also a greater emphasis on bringing through the younger kids, the younger generation as well. So that's going to take a bit of time um, to implement and just to make things gel as well. I mean, Tom Hawkins seems to be aging in reverse. I feel like he's had probably one of the best, say, twilight part of your career as a full forward. I don't know if there's been many... 32 plus aged full forwards that have had um, better seasons than he the last two or three seasons. And you still have, you know, Paddy Dangerfield, who's, I don't know, is he still top 15 player in the, in the comp? Is that a fair assessment? Sorry, on, on Dangerfield? Uh, that's fair. Yeah. Yep. I think um, that's fair. Yep. Selwood, I mean, I I'm not a big fan. I never have been, but he's still uh, pretty yeah. consistent. Look, I don't think your, your premiership team, to be honest, Right, I think you'll mm. be competitive, and you'll always be competitive with the current sort of top tier players that you have. I still think there's enough quality there to make um, the eight and and be very competitive. But I def- definitely don't think it's a premiership winning uh, list. Like in, in my view, what's your take on on Geelong? Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head, Mo. Um, I don't see them challenging for a flag. Um, I, I think um, the opportunity has passed them by. Um, but that said, they've still got enough uh, top-end talent to still eke out enough wins to make it mm. into the eight and maybe win a final, um, but then maybe lose, you know, semi-final or even make it into the prelim if they're lucky with injuries and so forth. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I, I, I can't see them falling out of the eight um, yet this year anyway. Sincerely hope we're um, wrong, um, you know, everyone's wrong, of course, but... Um, I guess the flip side is also that 
Jeremy Cameron hopefully gets a full year. Tom Stewart is back fully uh, healthy as well. Um, you know, bookends, hopefully that has an impact. Um, and, you know, there's still the slight chance that we could still challenge. Um, but I guess my head is saying we may slide just like every other yeah. year, mind you. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't. I don't trust you, Geelong fans. Like you're like Jensen when when he comes on, he's like oh, you know, like we're just gonna make it, we're not gonna <laughs> win, and then you know you're like a perennial top four, top six team. So mm. we'll take that with a grain of salt. Just back on um the Bulldogs real quick. Um, mm. do we see uh, Jamara Uglahagen getting more playing time uh, this year for them? Do we think he'll make an impact, or are they sort of good with the most of the list that they've got going? Yeah, I'd, I'd like to think that um, he'd get you know, maybe not a full you know, 22 game season, but uh, would be you know, beating down the door to start like, making a challenge for the best 22. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see him you know, get you know, between 10 to 15 games, given you know, his pedigree as the number one draft pick. And I'd like to think, well, based on potential, like they, you know how they, they say that like he's got the he's got the the, the skill set of like a young buddy Franklin, like very athletic, very quick off the mark. And um, I'd like to think that he would complement um, their their um, forward line. So yeah, um, um, that's something that I would expect to see this year is there more game time from him and yeah, perhaps for him to sort of have an impact in a few games as well. I guess uh, Norton will be the focal point. Um, and I think that would actually help Eugle Hagen out as well, the focus of him, um, especially during his early years of his career. Whether he plays, it's probably better if he plays most of his games in the VFL just to develop his game, his awareness. Uh, his body even as well, because he's still pretty lanky, isn't he, for a full forward. So I think that's probably the better um, option. I think there is another forward in the Bulldogs forward line as well. Is it? It's not Bruce, is it? He's out, I think, with an ACL for most yeah. of the year. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. That, that may open up the spot for him, I would say. So with Stefan Martin long-term injury do we think tim english is going to be enough to um mm. carry the ruck load like i I'm, I'm a big fan of his i thought he had a pretty decent um season last season he's got really good hands and he can move around a bit but he's still a bit sort of on the you know not as strong as some of the others um and i feel like they can be a little bit exploited in that space yeah i think that's a fair point um yeah. i think the, the, the ruck is um being like one of the weaknesses that you can perhaps identify with the Bulldogs, like they're very strong across the ground and yeah. the ruck is like the only area where you could say, yeah, they probably struggle a little bit, little bit in. Um, but yeah, they, you know, they did quite well, you know, to make it to a grand final last year. And, you know, maybe they, the, the, the talent on all the other lines um, um, can sort of see, see them pass this, but yeah, um, with Tim English, it's a bit of a tough one because like he's not quite a ruck, he's not quite a forward. Um, and ideally, you know, you'd like to have two of him um to fill mm -hmm. up uh, those two roles. So it's sort of like you're you're robbing Peter to pay Paul um like with whatever way you decide. So yeah, that's gonna be an ongoing sort of challenge for the Bulldogs this year. Yeah, absolutely. And I think obviously they still have the bond. Um probably a lot of people's prohibitive pick for the Brownlow 
this season. What's our expectation of Bontempelli after the season he had last year? Do we see him continuing this form? Do we see with the extra pressure from teams that he might be slowed down a little? Uh, and just on that sort of note, between him and Petrarca, who's sort of the, the best player in the AFL? Is it someone outside of those two, potentially? I think with the Bond, it's going to be more of the same. Um, he's been doing it consistently for the last few years now, or several even. Um, more of the same. I mean, he was on track for the Norm Smith as well, wasn't he? Just to mention that um, in the grand final until, you know, Melbourne went bang, bang, bang. Um, so I think more of the same from him. Um, in terms of comparison between him and Petrarca, I've I actually put down Petrarca for the Brownlow. Um, mm. I just think it's more eye-catching, explosive out of the center. He kicked 29 goals last year as well. So he's also added that to his arsenal. Um and he's, of course, he's got more improvement in him as well. I think head-to-head, uh, -head, I'm going to pick Petrarca out of those two, yeah. Um, I think my initial thoughts were, yeah, the other way, going with Bont just over Petrarca. I think I have them as a one-two. To me, they're clearly the 1A and 1B um, midfielders, if not players, um, in the AFL at this present time. Um, they're both you know, exceptional midfielders. Uh, just hitting their prime as well. Um, but I do feel that uh, in terms of the Brownlow, uh, Petrarca has more people that can take votes off him, namely uh, Clayton Oliver, who scored 31 votes last year, and then also uh, Maxi Gorn as well, who polls quite well for a big man. Whereas um, in, in the case of the Bulldogs, I think the next best behind uh, Bontempelli was um, Jack McRae, um, who got like 14 votes or something. So I think that's just the point of difference between the two, um, that um, Bont will have less um, players um, taking votes off him um, in, in, in games. Um, but, yeah, I do expect it to be um, very close. And, um, yeah, a one-two um, is on the cards for yeah, Bont and, and track. Yeah, I, I think they're, you know, sort of head, heads and shoulders above the rest. And for me, it's, it's the Bont just I feel like he can sort of take the game by the scruff of the neck, uh, the neck up forward as well. Um, so obviously, you know, Petrarca, you know, does excellent work in the clearances in the midfield, but then Bont becomes a, a genuine forward target uh, when he's needed as well. And that left boot just um, can, you know, kick him a long way. And I've, you know, watched many games where he's just sort of single-handedly um, in that forward line, just kick the, kick the Bulldogs to victory. And I, I quite enjoy him. I think last season I watched a few games where he was just to, complete anomaly to anyone else that was playing and i just feel like his best is is a bit is a bit better um than petrarca speaking of another team with sort of a, a bit of a, a riches in midfield talent brisbane lions so much promise and and trust me living in brisbane like the hype around this team especially come finals time the way they've been playing the last two or three seasons in the regular season um you know finishing consistently in the top four adding Danaher. Um, to that to that forward line, and you know, obviously Cam Rayner was out last year. Then you've got um, Neil and, and and like just a really strong backline as well. I know Birchall's retired this season, but they're still quite formidable. Do we feel like this is sort of Fagan's last chance this season, or 
is it too early to call it given the last two or three seasons they've they've been out in straight sets guys like I, I go to these games and, and watch them in, in the finals that are up here in Brisbane and they've been consistently eliminated the last season versus the Bulldogs was one of the best games I'd I'd seen in a long time and they they had that game and and they just sort of let it slip I feel like they for whatever reason they just can't seem to really finish the job off and if they have another stinker this season where they can where they lose a home game a home final again then I feel questions will start being asked about the list and if, if it's really been maximized and and what needs to happen next what, what are your thoughts on the Brisbane Lions yeah well um, as you mentioned Mo they definitely have the talent to take it all the way especially with the, the last you know, two three years you know they've been up and about and it's just the execution um, at crunch time in the finals which has let them down and so look I, I don't know if it's a um, like a mindset thing um, uh, amongst like the players since um, yeah like, like the, the list is it's not young but it's not mature so I don't know if they have like the the the, the um the, the the full roster of like veterans that would you know otherwise help like in those sorts of situations I've sort of been there and done that um but yeah if if like don't get me wrong I think Fagan is like one of the best at like like play management like man like man management um in the business and like all the, all the players love him but yeah um I, I wouldn't go so far to say that his position would be in danger um, if we did see any uh, repeat um, uh, performance this year. But then it's a matter of like whether or not he has enough support sort of around him um, uh, to sort of take them to the next level. Since in, in this day and age, it's um, the it's it's not all on the coach, but it's also about the the collective um, coaching panel and whether that may need a refresh. Yeah, I agree with Ed there. In terms of job security, I think he'd be safe, even if it's an odd thing to say, even if the same situation had played out in terms of getting knocked out in the finals in that manner. Mm. Um, you know, all you can ask for, I guess, is that they put themselves in that position again, which is he is doing. Um, I guess on the funny side here, may, they may become the next Geelong um, and that they just make the finals and that's it, that you don't win anything. Mm. And that's... I guess for fans and everyone, like the ultimate goal is the premiership. Um, so it's like if you don't win it, you're just like the bottom team as well. You don't, it's zero in the premiership column. From the fans' perspective, will they cause a bit of noise if it happens again? Will that put more pressure on higher above and maybe force their hand? I, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think there's more time on his side. Yeah, look, I, I don't know. I mean, it's not that I think he'll sort of get sacked. I just feel like a couple of the sort of the more senior players, I'm going to call them senior now, and they're not retiring or anything, but the guys have been exceptionally good for this club and feel like they're wasting all of this talent and really not making it as far yeah. as they should. You know, do they question their position on the team? You know, are we actually, do we have a winning culture? Because this will be like the fourth or fifth season of of this sort of core group and mm. you know you've got you know Zorko, Zorko and Daniel Rich is still around and and Hipwood and Luggage yeah. and Neil and yeah. um like I said Danaher's last season Rayner should be back this season after the, the injury from from last year mm-hmm. it, it's it's a bloody good squad and you know I think they have pretty decent depth as well so 
Uh, I think yeah. if if not, as in sort of you know questioning his position, if it, they go through it again, I think it's definitely in the sort of rumblings, at least in AFL media world, about whether or not you know this team is good enough. Simple as that, right? Like, is this team actually good yeah. enough to get over the line? And I feel they need more from uh, the Danaher Hipwood combo. Yeah, I don't feel sure. like they've actually lived up to expectations. We know Danaher can take over a game single-handedly and, and kick, kick a bag when he's when he's up for it. But um, I feel like it was way too inconsistent uh, last season. And they they need, and I hope they spent uh, the preseason figuring out how to play with each other. Awesome. Hey, Ed, I've got a question for you. Yep, sure. Um, so when is uh, Max King going to ask for a trade from St. Kilda? <laughs> <laughs> well, you've really stirring the pot here, Mo. I think he's, I think he's um, happy enough at St Kilda at the moment. Um, of course, we saw that his twin, of course, Ben King, through the week has signed for another couple of years, but no, that, that puts him into restricted free agent territory. Um, so you know, watch watch that space, just see how the the Gold Coast Suns go um, the next couple of years, especially without him. But yeah, I think um, I think uh, there's no reason to doubt you know, Max King's um, sentiments around the Saints. So it's clear that we're going to be building the, the forward line around him. And um, I'd like to, and I I think I can see him, um, provided that he stays on the park, injury free. I think we we'll expect um, at least fifty goals from him um, this year. Um, he kicked. He started um, picking up second half of last year and. It, I think he finished with 38 or so goals, including a bag of six. Started to finally fix his um, goal kicking. So, you know, with that natural progression of being, you know, a, a third, fourth year key position player, I think it's not unreasonable to um, have expectations that, yeah, he'll um, continue on his upward trajectory. And, yeah, I think 50 goals would be a, a, a fair and reasonable target given his ta- obvious talents and his abilities. Yeah. So what's thing called the ceiling this year, Ed? What do you see for the Saints? Yeah, so I've I've got at our best, or if, if things go our way, um got us around seventh or eighth. So um so I've got us um yeah between seventh or um between seventh to twelfth, uh, which is sort of in line with like most of the experts and stuff. But um yeah, I, I feel like still um um while both ends of the ground um are like uh, quite capable and able. I still feel our midfield is uh, lack, lacks the depth. And aside from Jack Steele, who's um, a, like a obvious elite player, um, we don't have too many um, other uh, midfielders that can sort of chop out to sort of help him. Like we've got Brad Crouch, who's like an honest inside midfielder, but he's not going to win a game off his own boot for you. Um, and then like the only. Oh, Hanabry, don't get me started. Um, we're not, not not expecting anything from him. I think, yeah, that I think the the, the sooner um, we put that behind us, the better. Um, that was a bit of a disaster. Hoping that we could get his um, uh, was he meant get, to get his sign injuries, with us or do I have the wrong Sydney player? Was he always going to? Was he always signing with St Kilda at the time? Yeah, I don't yeah, think sure. I've heard anything else. I mean, I mean, back then when he signed for the Saints, was it always the Saints, or was it between the Saints and a couple of other clubs? Oh, I don't seem to recall if mm. there are other teams yeah, can't remember. in contention. Anyway, I don't dodge, think I think that bullet. <laughs> I think all, all, all the other teams had the sense to, due to 
do their due diligence and not throw 800k a year on a like a, a pass that injury prone player but you know it is what it is now spend it on the oven instead yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think um this on the saints i think you are one key injury key injury being uh max king away from the bottom four sort of yeah if he goes down for the season you're like you're in trouble i think um because where where's your goal scoring avenues come from is the key focal point a lot goes through him um i i think i'd uh well i'd like to think that um our our forward line structure is not um just max king centric so yeah with Max King playing as full forward, we've had the um, the option of playing Tim Membry more as a high half forward. Mm. Um, so I think um, in the event that Max King goes down, um, then, yeah, we'd probably have to rejig and put yeah, Tim Membry back in um, full forward. Mm. Um, and then we have, um, yeah, pretty multi-pronged forward structure, I think. Um, so um, like Rowan Marshall... Um, tends to spend a fair bit of time up forwards, um, and so he provides an additional target. Um, we also have another young player called um, Cooper Sharman, who we got in last year's mid-season draft, um, and he showed a, a bit of promise. Of course, you don't want to heap a lot of expectation on you know, someone that's only played three, four games, um, but we've got um, him as like an option as well. Uh, and we also recruited um, a player by the name of Jack Hayes, um, so another mature age South Australia recruit um, who's um, like an undersized ruck slash forward. So um, I, I'd like to think that we do have um, several polar options in the event that um, Max King does go down, which we hope doesn't. Um, yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, I think um, another key thing that we'll um, need to go our way is like the availability of Paddy Ryder. Um, yeah. He makes a huge yeah. difference to us. We, we we're like a, a three four goal better side um, with him and Marshall um, sharing the ruck duties, and I can see that he's likely to miss um, round one. But yeah, um, going by last year's games, um, we, there were quite a few matches where we only had one uh, of the rucks, and we looked like a much better team when we both we had both Ryder and Marshall sharing yeah. the ruck. So, yeah, I think we need a, a bit of luck with, you know, fitness and injuries to be able to have a crack at the eight. I don't think it's impossible. Um, but, yeah, I, I think somewhere in the, the 7 to 12 range, you know, around 11 or so wins is what I had us pegged at. But, you know, we'll see how we go. Um, yeah, you never know. Because 11 wins was good enough for GWS to finish seventh last year. So, I don't know. 11 could be the mark again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you're probably expecting a bit out of Josh Hill as well. Brad, Brad Hill. Oh, Brad, Brad Hill, yeah. sorry, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was um, a bit, bit of a disappointment last year. Like, there were you know, quite a few games where he um, just wasn't up to the speed of it. Like, I felt like he was um, playing a few kilos overweight um, at times. Um, but then, of course, um, he had a few matches where you know, he, he showed what um, we recruited him for um, mm. and provided that extra run and carry and uh, um, and you know, elite foot skills. Um, so, yeah, I would hope that um, you know, he's 
he's still what 28 29 so he's not um like a like a veteran yet um so we're hoping that yeah he can sort of um yeah live up to you know the the, the hype and expectations we had when we recruited him um, and provide that extra run out of uh, the halfback flank that, that's enough on a on a team that has about two thousand fans. Stan, what do you reckon? <laughs> yeah, I reckon that's move. Couldn't resist, Mo. <laughs> hey, they have um about as many fans as Buddy Franklin has goals, and uh-huh. so five five away from the thousand mark. First, just very quickly, when do we think he'll hit the thousand? Is it sort of first game he he plays, second game he plays, um, third game he plays? What what, what are we guessing? Uh, I think second, unfortunately, against us. Um, I think that's in Sydney. Yeah. So it, it was actually. About, I think it's round two. Just sort of checking. Mm. What about you, Ed? Yeah, I, I think around two against Geelong, and I, and I hope everyone storms the ground. I really want to see that on, <laughs> yeah. on the TV because it's probably going to be the last time we ever see someone score a thousand AFL goals. Yeah, and I'm, yeah. I'm going to come to that in a second. But just to prove both of your points, I think the AFL had some sort of, uh, you know, sort of romantic notion to this thought through. Sydney-Geelong is a Friday night game. Um, yeah. That's sort of round two game. So they want to make sure there's, you know, sort of prime time, maximum audience coverage at the game, playing in Sydney, nice weather, SCG, um, pack the stadium. So let's hope Buddy doesn't sort of break that romantic notion <laughs> and actually scores a bag against GWS, which he's cap- capable of <laughs> of doing, and then he ruins it for everyone. So let's hope that happens in round two. But back to your point, Ed, um, is he the last of the thousand goal forwards, do we think? Oh, I reckon um, has to be because to, to score a thousand goals, yeah, you have to, like, assuming you play 300 games, you have to average... Like, 3.3 goals a game, mm. which like in a 22 game season, you know, that, that equates to like about 70 goals. And that's 70 goals per year for every you know, year. However long it, that's like 15, <laughs> 16 years. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's tough. Yeah. Pretty just, impressive. Just the way, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Just the way the game is played these days. Uh, you, you see the, the Coleman winners like last year, Harry Mackay, um, who I also think will be this year's Coleman. Um, mm. Yeah, he only scored 58 goals. And then you, you, you tend to see, um, yeah, I think the, the last few years, it's been, yeah, 60, 65 has been enough to, to snag mm. the Coleman. So, yeah, yeah. I, I'm pretty, pretty certain um, at this stage, just the way the game is played, that um, we're not going to see a thousand, another 1,000 goal player in a long time. Yep, definitely agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think, sort of you know looking back at legacy buddy's sort of quite a showman and he's got that mix of you know athleticism but also football skill that that is very unmatched um amongst many forwards i think you had a lot of forwards that were excellent leads and and could kick straight i think i don't care who you are you still need to be able to kick straight to hit a thousand goals so i'd 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 say buddy is a pretty good kick um at goal um, sure, he's had some miscues uh, here and there, but to hit a thousand, you, you've got to make more than you miss. And I think what makes him, I think, sets him apart to the other great full forwards of our game is his athleticism around the ground. 
not a lot of people could cover the ground from a full forward or center half forward position the way uh, Buddy could. Like I don't think Fev ever did that. Lloyd, um, uh, Lockett. I mean, obviously it's a different game back then. Dunstall, etc. Um, they were sort of very much stay- ab. Well, yes, of course. Um, yeah. Gaza. They were very much stay at home forwards. Uh, whereas yeah. when, whenever you put Buddy highlights right? It's him running down the flank against Essendon, taking five bounces, kicking it from 50 out, right? Hugging the boundary into goal, right? Like that's the sort of um, uh, highlights you associate with Buddy. And that's why, like for me, he's one of the most electrifying. I've always loved Buddy Franklin. He's been one of my favorite players. I was at the game when he kicked 100 goals um, for the season. That was at what was back then maybe... Telstra was it? The final I can't even remember. Yes, yeah. it was against Carlton when, when Feb yeah. was almost there. But um, <laughs> anyway, it wasn't to be. Point being, um, I, I'm going to miss Buddy when when he's done playing, and yeah. I feel the fact that he's hopefully going to hit a thousand. Having missed all the games he has missed too, I think it's important to know. Buddy's had a lot of injuries uh, throughout uh, his career, and uh, I think if it wasn't for that, he would have hit that thousand mark um a lot earlier. So. Sort of, I don't want to sort of preempt his retirement, which is going to happen within either next season or or this, maybe the end right. of this one. I'm not sure, right? But just sort of where my head's at. Once he hits the thousand, I don't think Sydney's a premiership team, so there's not much really to to play for for him long term. Um, I sort of give that trade um, an A minus um, mark or him moving to Sydney and leaving Hawthorne after all these years. Remember at the time, guys, it was like this 10-year deal where he was getting paid a million a yeah. year or something stupid. And everyone's like, why would you do this, et cetera? Um, and I just wanted your thoughts as well. Sort of looking back now, what sort of grade would you give that particular move um, for Buddy uh, to Sydney? And uh, yeah, just your general thoughts on him. Yeah, I might go first on that one. I think, yeah, around the A minus B plus mark, I think you would have given him an A plus if he delivered the premiership, right? Um, but I think his just his presence there has grown the game as well of AFL in the Sydney, New South Wales regions as well. So it actually expands past just the game of football. Mm-hmm. Just growing the game, grassroots and all that, surely his presence has had a major impact um, as well. Um, so, yeah, just want to make that point as well. Mm-hmm. And I think um, I did read recently Sydney may try and extend his contract as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he might add a few more playing years mm-hmm. there, though. Yeah. Well, well, with all his injuries, you could almost make the argument that there's all these games he has in the tank where he didn't have to run yeah. 10Ks, where he wasn't hit, where he wasn't tackled. He didn't put that, ex- that right. extra sort of, you know, pressure on his body that he could make it up later. Ed? I'd say around the same mark. Yeah, A, a minus B plus. Um, he played in two losing grand finals in 2014 and 2016. Mm. Um, so had he taken one of those by the scruff of the neck, then yeah, that would move it into the A A plus territory. But yeah, I think he's injected a lot of excitement to uh, AFL in an otherwise still um, NRL dominant um, state and, and city. Um, so yeah, um, I, and well, like the, the injury in 2020 aside, I think his, his output has been like pretty consistent throughout, you know, mm. still averaging his three goals a game um, while he's been up there. 
and yeah, yeah, I think overall um, it's been a, a quite a success um, for, for Sydney, um, even if it didn't lead to you know the ultimate glory. No, absolutely. So looking forward to watching Buddy hit hit that thousand, and yeah, hope everyone sort of enjoys him the last few seasons because I don't think we'll see the likes of him uh, again for a very long time as well. Um, Carlton. Dun, Carlton. Dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> Carlton, Carlton, Carlton. Um, obviously, for those who don't know, it's like this. I think this is my 17th year, consecutive year as a member of, of the Carlton Footy Club. So I don't know if I should be proud or upset. Um, with what I've seen over the last 17 years. Um, we've had some good times, but, you know, nothing quite as a euphoria of making even a grand final or a prelim uh, for that matter. This list, guys, I mean, I've been quite frustrated with Carlton the last few seasons, obviously with the, you know, Brendan Bolton and David Teague and now Michael Voss and sort of everything that's happened in between. Um We've we've made I think some decent pickups, but we've never had say we've never like the last few seasons. There just hasn't been a consistent um, game plan, especially defensively. Um, I think it's well documented that when we concede, we concede, you know, like the floodwaters open, right? It's like six goals in a row, five goals in a row down before you know it, like the game's over or it's too far to bring back. And then you sort of play well. You bring it back to a goal or two and you're sort of happy with yourself. Like, oh, look, we, we put up a good fight. We, we, we didn't get smashed. And it sort of lulled them into this sense of sort of false security in mind that, oh, yeah, look at us. We're growing. We're doing all right. And I feel that we've, we've got sort of a really good cream of players. I think our best are some of the best in the comp. You know, obviously, Walshie, Cripps, um, Jacob Weidering. Um, Mackay on his day, although he can make some, he can, you know, do some really stupid things sometimes, but he's a pretty decent mark. Um, and, you know, he, he, he likes to kick across the body. Doherty, uh, when he's fit, and I don't know if you guys heard the news, but he'll be starting round one, which is, you know, amazing given his health um, issues um, uh, the last little while. So Fantastic, that's really positive. Yeah. But even outside of that sort of non sporting related health issue, he's always had you know, injuries, done his knee, et cetera, which has sort of kept him away. And he's, he's one of our best. Um, look, I just want two things out of this team um, this season. One is uh, some consistently consistency defensively. Uh, I think Liam Jones is a, is a big loss. Uh, you know, he sort of created, re, re, um, revived his career really by moving to the back line and, and playing that amazing sort of role where, you know, one of the top players for intercept marks uh, in the AFL. He can read the ball really well in flight. He always puts up a good contact contest. Uh, he's hardly gets sort of consistently beaten. So I think um, he's he's a big loss until the the rules maybe change. And if he unretires, I don't know what will happen there. Uh, but now oh. the the governor um, gets to yes. uh, take that position <laughs> in the That's back line. Awesome. So let's <laughs> let's see how much eight hundred thousand dollars gets you um, <laughs> in the back line, buddy. The, the whipping boy. Oh, mate, McGovern. <laughs> I tell you what, just just yeah, so disappointing that that output um, from him. So yeah. so two things, right? Consistency. Uh, sorry, defensively. If we do concede a couple of goals, we're able to set up a bit of structure that we can stem the tide a bit and just, you know, give us some time to just uh, rebalance, you know, uh, get ourselves back into the game and, and start sort of fighting back. Uh, if that doesn't happen, you know, everything else just sort of goes to naught. 
Uh, second thing is a minimum 12 wins this season, or this is a complete failure of a season. It's just as simple as that. We have, um, I think, a top three easiest schedule in our first 10 games. I know we start off a bit hard with, I mean, Richmond, which I still think we should win um, that opener. It's just me. Um, and then I think we have the Bulldogs uh, second. But after that, it's a pretty easy schedule. Um for the first 10 rounds. So if you're sort of uh, thinking you can sort of make a push into the eight, you've got to get seven out of 10 of those and really set up your season really well while she's out for, for the first month of the year. And that's why he's not my um, uh, Brownlow pick because I feel like yeah. the, the season he had last season and he's going to just take it leaps and bounds. The guy's an absolute professional. He eats, breathes and lives footy every day. And he's the kind of guy that will always improve um, his game is just one of those guys. And to be honest, we sort of lucked into him that season. I know he was a unanimous number one pick, but when you compare him to some of the other number one draft picks we've had, I just don't feel like they have the same hunger and passion as he does for the game. So he's going to be a big loss. But again, Cripps has had a pretty um, uninterrupted uh, preseason, uh, which which is really uh, a good sign. He's he's looking really good and and sharp and lost a couple of kilos uh, as well. So hopefully he sort of goes back to his pre sort of 2021 form when he's absolutely smashing uh, the competition. And uh, our X Factor guys, um, Mr. Charlie Kerno, um, uh, to be honest, him. Uh, mate, is um, a sort of, and, and genuinely X Factor, like one, I just want the guy to be healthy, right? Just in general, because it, it'll suck for life after footy if you're always having these you know issues and niggles and reconstructions and all the rest of it like you just don't want that especially for a person that big and I can sort of relate a little bit to his to his plight from a size perspective but two I mean it's what makes us dare to dream guys it's it's knowing that like, this guy on his game on his day can literally kick 10 goals like it, he's that capable um, and just sort of thinking of him and Mackay um, in a sort of consistent healthy forward line I think is one of the the, the sort of most sort of frightening forward lines to go to if you're the opposition six um, come game time. But yeah. I just can't trust it. I've just been sort of burned too many times the last few seasons with his fitness for me to trust it. So I just, you just hope it's there. Um, you hope that Saad is now um, uh, settled after last season, you know, it's a new club. Now he's yeah. good. He had a newborn. He was sort of saying how it took him a while to settle in. Cause I think he's, he's a game breaker. We saw that last season when he was on, you know, just breaks the lines, amazing speed, kicks goals outside 50. So I'm really excited to see him have a great season. But bottom line is 12 wins and better defensive structure. Well, this is a failure of a season. No blowouts either. You wouldn't want that. Yeah. No what, sorry? No blowouts as Blow, well. Well, yeah. look, I mean, the odd blowout, like, you know, if Melbourne is switched on on their day or you're playing Port Adelaide in, in Adelaide and, and they're sort of on fire, you know, you'll, you'll get one of these and, and and I get it. Like, you know, oh. I know where the team is. It's, I mean, do I want us to win the premiership? Like bloody hell, yes, of course I do. Mm-hmm. But um, everyone would need to play out of this skin for them to finish in, in the top four, which I don't see likely with um, likes yeah. of Lockie Plowman, um, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> roaming <laughs> the back line still. But yeah, but it's not sort of those blowouts that were happening last season, Stan, or even even the, the what I call the, the sneaky fake blowouts the game where you're down by 10 goals and then you end up losing by three and you think you've had a good game when you really yeah. haven't right like for me they're the, they're oh. the worst ones 
it's like saving face type game, you know. But. I think I think the important thing as well that Calder needs to do this year is to win the games that they should be winning, to not drop yep. teams or games against like inferior opposition, mm. um, and then yeah, just to clean up that consistency, because um, yeah, um, I, they, I, at their best, like they're a great team to watch. You know? um, but yeah, the, the the difference between the best and worst, I think it's just been a long-standing issue that yeah. the difference is just too big. Um, so just yeah, more about getting the consistency and doing the simple things and you know, winning the games that you should be winning, like more often than not. Hey Mo, um, is there any young player that will you know break out this season? You think um, under twenty three? Uh, you know, any on the Blues list? I don't know that there's anyone that's sort of unknown that yeah. um that's sort of going to break out. Like we, we got Adam Sarah obviously from Frio and he, mm-hmm. he he's under 23, yeah. but he's not an unknown quantity. If, if that makes sense. Like I think yeah. everyone sort of has high expectations of Adam and I think amazing pickup, right? I think it was really good um, for the club to get him while she's obviously, uh, you know, while she, um, the Koning potentially, yeah. I mean, finally he's cut that ponytail off. So he looks like a, sort of a footballer you can take seriously <laughs> a little. Man, it wasn't working. Like, he was too lanky, and then he had the ponytail, and then he just sort of couldn't take him seriously. Now that he's, you know, still a bit lanky, but at least the ponytail's gone, you're like, all right. And I've got a lot of time for deconing. I think his potential is amazing. He's really athletic. Um, he's a smart footballer, and I, I get excited when, when I see him. There. I think he still needs pit in it to sort of help with the ruck uh, and whatnot, but he's he's another one of those guys in that sort of younger younger age group that can really take take the next step. Um, I feel yeah. that you know we haven't seen the best of him. He, he's a bit like um, English uh, at, at the Bulldogs um, for me, but probably a couple of years or a year behind in terms of um, progress. But he's twenty two as well, so maybe what. Um, you know, Sarah can uh, add and then De Koning as well uh, when Walshi mm-hmm. comes back. Uh, they're the sort of three young trio that I really see um, uh, taking it to the next level. And with again, with Walsh and um, uh, Adam, like they're not unknown quantities. Yeah. So it's hard to say they're going to break out. Maybe De Koning really mm-hmm. takes over that ruck spot, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. So uh, lower reaches of the eight in, in conclusion for that one. Yeah, I mean, look, hey, they start yeah. if they beat Richmond, and then the first yeah. ten games end up being eight and two. I'm like, you know, watch me preparing that sort of Carlton <laughs> Premiership tattoo thing. And, uh, I'm sure, I'm sure on the first corner, the they know we're coming. Memes will start popping oh, up again, and remember that from and, back in the day. And and everyone will start sort of giving us a bit of shit, but that's all right. So it makes it a, a lot of fun. And yeah, yeah look, <laughs> Good I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm I'm pumped for round one, so I'm going to be in Melbourne. Uh, bought tickets to the Carlton Richmond game. So I'll be attending Carlton home game. A lot of the allocation was exhausted. So I reckon yeah. 70,000 plus crowd yep. um, is what they're mm-hmm. expecting, mm-hmm. which is going to be about 65,000 more than the day before when uh, the Demons play the Bulldogs, which I'm not sure why you did a start a season with those teams. Uh, well, you guys have had it. You, you guys have had the season opener I don't know, every year for the last, in 15 years at least yeah. so i mean yeah. i don't know play play Ge- geelong and richmond play essendon and collingwood i don't know play teams that are going to pack the g and give you eighty thousand. Uh, playing uh, well, demons and the bulldogs I'm not sure what that does 
Well, we'll see how they go with the attendance. If if it does tend uh, tend to be a flop, um, then yeah, then yeah, we're not going to see a repeat of that. Because yeah, you know, year. if it if it works out, um, I think they'll try to make the whole the the grand finalists from the year before open the season yeah. as yeah, a bit of a thing, yeah. which which I'm not too against. I think the the NFL does that sometimes, where the the potentially the um the Super Bowl teams from a previous season the sort of playing around one as well um yeah. occasionally they do that but um yeah i mean look obviously being a bit you know um facetious about the, the demons and bulldogs the fans but that's all right um uh yeah not the biggest clubs but let's see let's see what they do on wednesday yeah indeed uh, yeah yeah love it hey boys um just trying to think through like there's so many footy clubs and not enough time to talk through, but really Port Adelaide is probably another team that pops to mind as who can have a really good season. Um, I thought they had obviously an amazing year last year, made a prelim and then got um, duly smashed um, in, in that prelim. What are our thoughts on Port? Do we think they have it in them to sort of compete again like they did last year? Do they fall back a bit into the, to the eight pack? I see them as a very good regular season team. Mm-hmm. Um, but in finals, uh, that's where they sort of sort of fall away. So I'm sort of expecting yeah, much of the same because yeah, their their um, their list is um, they're still um, got the same players as you know in the last two years. So it's expect them to finish top four, and they got a pretty good home ground advantage. So bye mm-hmm. bye on on that account, you know, you expect them to get enough wins to snag. Um, fourth spot maybe third spot but yeah um, when it comes down to uh, performing um, in finals particularly away from home um, I think they got pumped by Brisbane last year didn't they yeah um, mm-hmm. yeah um, you, in order to really make it to uh, the, the consideration for the grand final you've got to be able to deliver everywhere and that's where I feel like um, yeah they're sort of lacking a bit the difference between their home form and their away form. It's also um, like the the experienced players as well. Dixon, Boak. Gray. Um, yeah, great. Can they keep their level up? I mm. think they're really important to the squad uh, still. I think if they drop off, um, they the team also drop off. Um, so I think they're crucial. I think Jeremy, Jeremy Finlayson is a good add. Mm. Um, just drop into the forward line. Yeah, Georgiades as well. Different... Yeah, exactly. I really like Georgiades. I liked his game yeah. last season. What, yeah, what, do you, what do you guys think of him? Yeah, he's a gun. He's a very good player. Mm. Um, and uh, I think he's benefited from uh, being like a secondary target. Like mm. when you got you know Big Charlie up there, then you know um, you're not going to cop as much scrutiny or attention. But it's allowed him to develop his game and his. Very athletic, takes a uh, uh, strong grab and, yeah, um, good in front of the six as well. So I expect him to um, consolidate his game this year and allow their forward line to be more multi-pronged. So that their forward line is still elite. They're crummers. Um, yeah, Rosie, Gray, like we said, Fantasia as well. Uh, yeah, I think I'm missing one more... Yeah, that's it. Orazio. Orazio. <laughs> oh, Butters is the other one, yeah. Oh, um, so yeah. they've got elite crummers as well. Um, so I guess in terms of Georgiadis and 
or and Dixon, if they cause a just a spillage, they've got plenty of crumbs there in their forward line. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um it's it's time. So Stan, um your grand final matchup. Um grand prim, final premiership matchup. winners, mm-hmm. uh Brownlow winner, Coleman and Norm Smith. All right. Uh grand final matchup. Melbourne, Brisbane. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh winners, premiership. Yeah. Winners, sorry, Melbourne again. So they'll get the double. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, who do I have? Brownlow, Petrarca, Coleman, Mackay. Mm-hmm. Uh, what were the other ones? Sorry, Norm, Norm Smith. Norm did you Smith. Say? Yeah. Norm Smith, uh, Petrarca. Ooh-hoo. Yeah. Big on him. Wow. Sounds like, like that. Right? Dustin Martin <laughs> season, is it? Um, improve. I had Richmond. Mm-hmm. Slider is West Coast. Yes. Um, and the last one being Wooden Spoon, Gold Coast. Melbourne Love Fest, Ed. What are your thoughts? Uh, so my grand final matchup is uh, Bulldogs versus Brisbane. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Bulldogs will take the chocolates this time. I, I feel like um, sometimes in, in order to win one, you need to win one first. And I, and I think uh, that will be the case for the Bulldogs. And I think they'll go one better this year. Um, mm-hmm. So I feel they got the, the strongest whist across the ground. Um, but, yeah, we'll see how we go. Um, and, yeah, for Brownlow, um, I've got Bont as well. Um, nearly made it last year. Mm. Um, but I think he'll go one better um, with a, another fantastic season this year. Um, for the Norm Smith, um, I've got Bailey Smith, um, which yep. is a bit a bit left field, but he's, he's shown to be a big game player. He is a gun. Yeah, like absolutely. He, yeah, he, he talks the talk and he walks the walk. And yeah, yeah, he, that he put mullet. In, oh, yeah, that <laughs> mullet. That's, that's brilliant. Insane. Yeah, yeah. I think he's been growing it for three years now. So, yeah, it's down down past his back now. But, um, yeah, um, he, he broke um, 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 the game um, in both, I think, the, the qualifying and the prelim final last year. So I think um, this is the moment for him to... I'd really take the game by the scruff of the neck. Um, and then um, for my top eight or the, the, the teams that I expect to come in um, will be um, Richmond and um, your mob, Mo, um, the Blues. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and making way for them will be um, Sydney uh, and Essendon. Um, but they'll be still in the mix. I, I feel like there's 12 teams that can... Um, compete for the, the top eight spots. So I think it'll be um, down to the wire. Nice. A couple of left field um, picks there by Ed. Um, wow. or, uh, what, what, what did I have? Just looking at my yeah, list. What Actually, it's not really controversial. I mean, on any other day, I'd be like, you know, Carlton, uh, Brisbane in the grand... No, no, right. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bit more realistic. <laughs> <laughs> um, than that, but um, look, I, I think it's Brisbane's uh, make or break here. Personally, right? I feel like um, yes, the list can stay together and they can continue to be competitive. But I feel like this is the season where we see a, a fit Danaher Hipwood combination, and then really making the most of you know Lockie Neil Zorko Daniel Rich from halfback, um, 
and that team really coming together. And they really need to make the most of playing at the Gabba and winning, um, finishing in the top, four, finishing top two, and then winning um, that first final, making it to the prelim um, to get to the granny. So it's Melbourne, Brisbane for mine, grand final. Um, uh, Brisbane uh, to win, and then Lockheed Neal um, to win to win the um, Norm Smith. Um, uh, you know, if, if that happens, uh, the Brownlow. I think um, if if by the way, if Walsh wasn't out for the first four weeks, I was picking Walsh for the Brownlow. Mm. I think if we win twelve games, um, he's going to have enough really amazing games in those, and he usually polls well in our losses as well. That I felt like he could get it um, over the line, but the caveat being the twelve wins minimum. Um, but he is out for the first four weeks, so I find it really hard for him to to catch up to Clayton Oliver. Um, uh, throughout the season. So here's my, my brand low pick. I think Melbourne's going to have another um, amazing year. And like you, Ed, I do think Richmond will come back into um, into the eight. I think last season was a bit of an anomaly. Um, I feel like Dustin Martin's going to play for his dad. He's going to feel like he's got something to, to prove to him. And he's going to come out all guns blazing. I know this could have gone one of two ways. He could either pack it in and say, sort of I'm retiring. I'm, I'm sort of over it. I've got nothing to play for anymore. We've seen that happen um, with some other athletes globally um, as well. Um, the flip side to it is, you know, I'm going to honour your memory by having one of my best seasons and, and potentially finishing on a high. So I think um, Richmond will move back into the eight and then obviously Carlton um, do that too. And uh, North Melbourne for the wooden spoon. Um, mm. For me, just a bit left field. I think Gold Coast will jump up a couple of spots and... Uh, give it to North and make a couple of friends uh, a bit upset. But, <laughs> <laughs> but that's all right. I mean, they got a good uh, sort of draft pick last season. Maybe they can get another good one this season as well. I think it'll be out of um, uh, North Melbourne and Gold Coast for mm, yeah. the Spoon. I forgot to mention that before, but yeah, I think it'll be out of those two um, to yeah, fight it out. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, Who, um, what, yeah. yeah. Did I miss, any, uh, did I miss top anything? Eight? Top eight in order. Sort of Melbourne, Brisbane, um, up there, and then Bulldogs, Port. Mm. That's probably my top four. And then any of sort of Geelong, GWS, and Carlton, five, six, seven type. Yeah. And then Richmond to, to Randolph, Randolph for the eight. We didn't talk much about GWS, but I think they're – Formidable team. I, I think Toby right. Green's amazing, and um, I think they have enough good players, Josh Kelly and the like, and they'll um, they'll have another really good season, and they won't make That's the it. top four, but I think they'll finish in the eight. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you got it. Uh, so my top eight is um, fairly similar, um, but I've got Bulldogs on top, mm-hmm. um, followed by Melbourne, Brisbane, and Port. Yeah. Going out the top four, so I think that's the same top four as Yumo. Mm. Um, and then uh, fifth to eighth, I've got Geelong, uh, Richmond, uh, Carlton, and uh, GWS. Yeah. Um, but I also have um, uh, like other like four other contenders that could potentially um, sneak mm. into the eight, um, depending on you know um, whether you know, injuries go their way or if they hit a purple patch. Uh, and those are Sydney, Essendon. Uh, Fremantle and the Saints. Yeah. The Saints. <laughs> last, but not, last but not least. <laughs> the Saints. Oh, dear. 
So not even a West Coast with all their home games. I think they're pretty out of sorts, um, Mm. both off the field and also their injury list is massive. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So I think they'll be around, you know, 14th, 15th, perhaps. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Oh, dear. What do I have? I've got similar teams, uh, very similar to you guys. I've got let's go in order. Melbourne, Brisbane, Western Bulldogs, Port Adelaide, GWS in fifth, Richmond sixth, Carlton seventh, Geelong eighth, Mm -hmm. sneaking in. Yeah. Yeah. So sort of some combination of the above, I guess, across the board. So I think it tells me that we sort of generally feel like there's sort of consistency, like as in the the better teams are more clear than not. So which is, I think, what that shows more than anything. Um, But yeah, there's always a couple of sneaks on the end. A couple of key injuries derail everything, as as you guys know. So but yeah, um, I think that's it. Pumped. Really excited for the season. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but um, there's a documentary on stand called Show Me the Money. It's about AFL agents um, during sort of uh, preseason draft time, etc. So I've just seen a bit. I've just seen a bit of the first episode, and it's really interesting. So if you anyone who's a footy buff and loves this stuff like I do, um, yeah, I would say uh, yeah, give it a chance and, and watch it. Similar to the, I thought the Amazon one last year was was really incredible i i love that uh, that doco um I, I hope they do it again and they follow different teams as well this time i thought it was pretty impressive well done as well yeah i think um that on amazon um, doco that's on my to watch list i just haven't gotten around to um watching it but yeah i've heard some very good things about it for sure yeah all right before before we sign off um we can't um do a pod with the three of us on and not talk a little bit about man, man united um so boys a bit of a season from hell i've got to say like it's just been um very deflating uh, to watch uh the fact that we need a 37 year old to bail us out um most of the time is quite disheartening because i think there's enough um skill and talent on that list to or, you know, that team sheet to actually have us winning a lot more games than we do. Arsenal have won five games in a row now. And uh, so our position, even in the top four, is a bit questionable. And depending on what happens with Atletico Madrid um, in the return leg, uh, you know, short of winning the Champions League, um, which what I said to one of my mates, he said, you know, today he said, hey, you guys are, um, you know, at risk of dropping out of the four and missing out on the Champions League. And I said, don't worry about it. We're going to win going to win the champions league it's going to be fine um <laughs> i like it i like it um but anyway just your um your thoughts on how uh the season's gone and what needs to change um you know come come the end of the season what do we need to reshuffle recharge to actually start competing again because it's uh, getting a bit depressing oh god uh you want to go first Ed? oh i think you can go first then okay. oh, all right no worries um I think the most concerning thing for me as a fan, just watching the the games, is that the effort on the pitch isn't there. Like we don't run back. When we lose the ball, we're sitting off, we're lazy. You can see it with most of the team. Um, And our best player stands in goal. Um, So, And we always have to rely on moments of brilliance to really get us out of trouble. 
like Ronaldo, his hat trick in the most recent game against Tottenham. Um, so I guess from a visual standpoint on the pitch, that's the most concerning thing for me. Um, of course, we know there's other issues, dressing in the change rooms, the culture, what happens in there. Um, Harry Maguire is a massive problem. Um, you know, he's almost guaranteed to score no goal every day, every game now. But <laughs> this, this, I don't know how he's captain. Um, my preferred back two would be Varane and someone else, not Maguire. Like mm-hmm. he's, he's just got no confidence at the moment. Um, he was decent last year and the year before even, but this year something's just happened with his maybe mentality, something's affecting him, not too sure. Um, in terms of the top four, I think we're in big trouble. Um, Arsenal have three games in hand and are ahead of us as well. Um, and of course, there are other teams below us just you know breathing down our necks as well. So yeah, it's not looking good at the moment, but hopefully, you know, I think we've got about, there's about 10 games left this season something around that yeah hopefully we can pull something you know out of the bag and just sneak in the top four um, yeah I, I echo the same sentiments to Stan like the, the season started off you know with lots of excitement with you know the new signings and then I think it was like a was it like a five nil or five two um result over Leeds or yeah. um and it was yep. very exciting like like beautiful football um in that match but then Afterwards, just the wheels sort of fell off. And, yeah, um, from what I saw, just um, I saw, like, just 11 individuals sort of playing on the pitch and there was there was a lack of that cohesion um, between, you know, the, like the, the defence and the midfield, the midfield and the, and, and the, the forwards. Um, and that just made – that just caused um, – inconsistent performances to sort of just come through where we just fall asleep and there'd be just um, moments of where we'd uh, lapse in concentration and just concede uh, rubbish goals and just at, just keep at, keeps adding to the frustration because, yeah, we do have a, a, quite a, a talented line, um, lineup um, and like roster of players to choose from. But, yeah, yeah. Um, we're just not seeing the results that uh, we were expecting or hoping at the start of the season. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the most frustrating part that the list itself is quite talented. Um, mm. now obviously with the, the Greenwood situation now, I'm not sure if we'll ever see him again in the Man United shirt with everything that's happened with the allegations. So see how that pans out. I thought Sanchez really coming to his own the last few weeks. And I remember talking about him early on in the, um, uh, talking about him early on in the season, saying just give him a chance. Like he'll just need to settle in, find his feet. The, the Premier League is is not the Bundesliga with respect. I mean, it's a uh, it's a lower level of football I, on a week in week out basis. I mean, short of playing a Bayern, um, you know, the competition is just not as high. Um, but now he's found his feet. He looks great. So Fernandez has been out of sorts for a while now. Um, uh, you know, Fred has a good game every now and again and he can be quite a dynamo when he's on like even that flick to Ronaldo that set up the goal was oh, that was beautiful that was beautiful yeah, to watch good. but you know we, we just need that more consistently I think Pogba's done at the end of the season he's 
probably the most disappointing um, midfielder of the last sort of six years for me, mm-hmm. uh, not just at United, just globally, just given his potential and what he was doing at Juve and how he plays for France when he's on international duty. I just feel like this is a player that could have made this team his, really asserted himself, his personality, his style of play on the team and taken him with him, but he's just not that leader. And it's unfortunate because we've obviously sank a lot of investment into him. You know, he's probably one of the most expensive players ever um, on a transfer window. And then, um, you know, the, I wouldn't even call it mismanagement, um, this time around, maybe the first time letting him go like we did when he was a youngster um, was, you know, pretty bad move and then sort of buying him at his complete high stock price. And then now he'll probably leave for nothing, but, you know, we tried, we won what an FA cup and a UEFA, one of those, you know, UEFA cups with him. And that was fun. You know, Uh, having trophies is better than not, but for me, it's just that disappointment of, you know, that world-class player that doesn't really fulfill potential, is is really saddening. I mean, Ronaldo's had more of an impact half in half a season than Pogba's had for for a few seasons now. And uh, you know, back to you know De Gea. I think this guy deserves a statue just for putting up with this shit for the last ten years after exactly. Fergie um, retired. The, the the number of times he was our player of the season, the number of times he's bailed us out. And, and yes, I know he's had a couple of mishaps, uh, but sometimes I think you know what he sort of due every now and again, given how many um incredible saves he makes uh, on a weekly basis as well so you know for mine one of the best keepers we've ever had um, one of the best keepers in the world so I love De Gea and I think sometimes for his own good we should let him just leave go somewhere of his own choosing just as a thank you um, from the club for putting up with all this mess as we try to sort out add our identity after Fergie and I think that's you know one of the biggest issues for me is you know what's the identity um, yeah. of, of the of the soccer club, football club. You know, who are we? How do we like to play? Our academy is still one of the strongest in the world and we're still pumping out players. I think we, we made the Youth Cup final just last week, had a really good win uh, to get there. So there's no ever issue with the, with the pipeline of talent coming through, which is really positive. I think that's a good mark of, of any club. But what's the identity? And I think we've sort of fallen into the trap of, trying to buy our way out of, um, you know, the the issues that we found ourselves facing the last few seasons. And unfortunately, it just hasn't worked out. I, I was really excited for Varane coming on and obviously his injury didn't help. Then Sancho and um, Ronaldo, I was really pumped for Ronaldo. And um, because because he's a, he's a game changer, right? He's, we saw what he can do. I think, like I said, a couple of months back, he's a guy, guy that, needs a strong coach who could sort of manage him like Ralph um, does right now, right? He um, sort of sits him out sometimes and it's like, you know, take a breather, etc. And I think that's what Solskjaer didn't do enough of, sort of always bent into him. He's still 37. I don't expect him to play two games a week, every right. week for, for however long. Like you need to be able to save him from himself and, and manage him um, a, a little, similar to how, they're very different sports, but you know, and Tom Brady, who announced that he's unretiring now, the way he's been able to extend his longevity is he just gets rid, rid of the ball very quickly, so he never gets hit. And right. so, you know, you, you're sort of always in a sort of that fresh um, mindset. Like the ball doesn't hang out with him for more than two seconds. All right, Ronaldo can't do the same thing in 
in, in football. So how do you save him from himself? You've got to sit him out. You've got to have the strong personality to say, we need you for this game, but I need you for that game. And I think yeah. um, the current manager is doing a better job of it. But again, it's a Band-Aid fix, right? Like he's not That's long-term. Right. Cavani mm-hmm. is going to leave. Martial's out the door. So, um, and our captain. Oh, yes. Just a, Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, captain, my captain. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know where to start with. I almost feel sorry for him, to be honest. I, I don't think that he's a bad player. I just think the, the club's too big for him. The, the moment's too big. You know, comes from Leicester. Um, yeah. Expectations are not as much. You know, you can be a bit aggressive, sort of kick the ball away whenever you need to, to sort of reset. That's not how Man United play. You need to be a bit comfortable with playing with the ball. More finesse. Out, yeah, exactly. Passing out the back, being a bit more entertaining, etc. And a poor guy, I just think he, you know, got hit with a price tag that he didn't ask for and got made captain of the biggest club in the world. And uh, it's just not for everyone. Mm, that's what we've got to like remember that he didn't ask for this. So he didn't ask for, you know, the 80 million or whatever it was to get transferred to us. Yeah. And, and also for the captain's armband as well. This is all thrown at him and he's just mm. been put in the, um, a very big spotlight. And yeah, and unfortunately he's um, had more, you know, howlers than he's had good games. Yeah. Um, but that's just sort of the nature of the beast of being being in a team like United. You seem kind of single swim. Awesome. All right. That's enough of that um, rant. Get, <laughs> it was get, needed. Get that off, off my chest. Um, that's all right. Hey, boys, uh, thanks a lot for jumping on. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure yeah. being back on, yeah. Mo. Uh, th- thanks for having me on. Oh, it was great it. fun. Yeah. Awesome. And yeah, no, look forward to doing this again, sort of halfway through the season to see how our picks are going. And maybe I need to have another rant about Carlton and uh, their play by then. I'm sure there'll be something I'm pissed off with. Um, but uh, thank you guys for jumping in and thank you everyone for listening in. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, my and friends sports podcast, and we'll chat to you soon.